are listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. On today's program, we're going to explore what happens when you or a society, a nation, or a culture can no longer think clearly anymore or think clearly again. What happens? What happens when you can no longer think and the society around you can no longer think? Because that's exactly where we are. Or maybe a step to two to three away from the door of losing totally your ability to think. You hear it everywhere. I hear it everywhere. Every time I turn on a television program, a commercial, an ad, whatever, I'm listening to people talk or uh, somebody's saying something or whatever, and I realize I'm right smack dab in the middle of a culture that has lost the basic ability to think logically and clearly. And so the, the net effect is they are, for all practical purposes, they're insane. They're clinically insane because they can no longer think like a rational, logical, cognitive human being was once able to think in America, you know, 40 years ago or whatever, whatever it was. But that ability, which we all took for granted, because America, you know, with all these people tearing down America and making America, trying to depict America as if it was like some kind of horrific uh, dictatorship. America may have its faults, but it is not a, a total dictatorship. And so we have to understand that in order to protect our freedom, it's absolutely imperative, it's absolutely necessary for people to think, for people like you and me and the people we know to think. That's why I do what I do on the Paul McGuire Report. I'm trying to facilitate thinking, because thinking, when it's properly directed, will lead somebody to, eventually, the knowledge of God, salvation. So we're going to open this door in just a moment, and we're going to together acquire and amplify the level of knowledge that we have, because knowledge is power. And then ask ourselves, what can we do at this point in history, in our own personal lives, in the lives of our family, and uh, the lives of our nation and culture? How can we be the most effective and the most strategic. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us. This is Paul McGuire. That's why it's so important that you do everything you can, I do everything that I can to spread this message far and wide as fast as possible, because we have opposition. We have heavily financed globalist elite that is attempting to consolidate their total power grab and usher in their long-lusted-after Great Reset, formerly known as the New World Order. And these people 
they believe that because they're wealthy beyond, you know, every once in a while I'll read an article or whatever. And this was, I don't know where I was. Uh, but I was sitting down somewhere, and they had magazines laid out for people waiting uh, to to look at. And there was some magazine, I don't remember the name, but it was all, it was a list of like the top 25 uh, billionaire, trillionaire yachts uh, in the world. And, and without going into detail, these yachts were beyond spectacular. These yachts were like 300 million. Five hundred billion, a billion dollars. These yachts had uh, two small, round, like futuristic uh, submarines. So the the people who owned the the, the boat could hop in their uh, submarines and plunge deeper, and then go uh, uh, snorkeling and deep diving. And this 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 yacht, all the yachts in this price range had multiple helicopters, a jet, a small jet, uh, multiple submarines, and you know, a, a living room that that was elegant, be, elegant beyond belief, and bedrooms and dining rooms. I mean, palatial, uh, a castle. And these things float out, and, and, and they float, and, and they don't sail. They, they can travel anywhere in the world, and they are like cities floating on the water. It's and, and what it does is, is it most of us that's like you and me. Most of us we live relatively ordinary lives in contrast to these people. These people live. These are these these are. I've been writing about them and researching regarding them for decades. These people are the uh, international banking families. They're the wealthiest people in the world. And now all statistics are saying that these people, these super rich capitalist people, the super wealthy, the globalist elite, they are worth Together, the globalist elite, the super rich, are together, they're worth over 99% of all the world's wealth and land, etc. Over 99% of all the world's wealth is owned by just this 1% globalist elite. You'll never hear this on, on the cable news networks. You'll never hear about this in the mainstream media. But this is, is a key among multiple keys that will open the door, that will allow you to go through the door of understanding. You can't go through the door of understanding if you're an idiot. This is how it works out. All the world's wealth, which is in total owned and controlled and ruled by just one just one percent of the population of planet Earth, just one percent controls, owns, and rules the other ninety-nine percent of the world's wealth. You see how that plays out? Every time you hear a, a speech or you a promise is made to you, most often, no matter who's making it, it's a lie. 
Because if you're not going to admit right at the beginning what the basic truth is and what is the basic truth, the basic truth is that just 1% of the population owns 99% of the, of the wealth and the money is owned by just 1% of the population. Now, that is very disturbing because what it means is in any territory of life, whether it's science, uh, medicine, uh, health, uh, education, whatever it is, whatever domain it is, it is ultimately controlled by this super globalist elite, the 1%, which own 99% of all the wealth. So again, like a mantra, you need to repeat it in your head. 1% of the population owns 99% of the wealth. This is the globalist elite, and this is uh, the international banking families. Now I'm going to add one other statement that will shape your thinking on what's going on forever. And the statement is simply this. This globalist elite, or this 1% of the super-rich, they are also super-capitalists. They are super-capitalists. But their favorite game is to hide, to masquerade, or to pretend that they are socialists, that they are Democrats, that they are for the vote and, and freedom. Their number one game is to hide like a wolf in sheep's clothing. They pretend that they're Democrats, that they're liberals, that they're for, for you know, spreading the wealth around. And that's a total lie. They are the exact opposite of what they pretend to be. They're wolves in sheep's clothing, just like the World Economic Forum. Their strategy is to put the 99% of the population into kind of like an altered state of consciousness and control their thoughts so that the 1% can rule them. In every communist revolution and socialist revolution in the world, every single one uh, was actually financed and paid for and organized by the super globalist, democratic, liberal, socialist elite. It was the Illuminati were super capitalists. The super capitalists ruled the world, but they pretend to be benevolent and kind. Now, as long as they can uh, continue to, to uh, successfully get by with that scam, they're going to use it. And the scam is, they are the people that own and control all the radical, liberal, environmental. On one hand, they are the people who are overwhelmingly responsible for all the pollution, for destroying the, the green earth. All the people that are, are behind all these anti-environmental policies, the people who are really destroying the earth, are not the 99%, the middle class, the working class, the people that are destroying the Earth's environment are the super-rich, the super-capitalists, because it's, it is they and their mega-globalist corporations that manufacture 
that pollute when they manufacture, that use mixtures of very toxic uh, chemicals that, that produce diseases of all kinds. The, the biggest polluters on planet Earth are the globalist elite and the super rich. You see, it's all a scam. It's a hustle. It's a con game to, to, to constantly persuade the middle class and the working class that they are guilty for uh, using up too much energy. Just walk on one of these billionaire yachts. It's the size of a small town, a luxury town. So don't allow yourself to be lied to and then manipulated by lies. A classic example would be convincing people that they are responsible for not being sustainable. They are responsible for using up too much of the natural resources and oil and gas. They're responsible. They created the problem. That's what they're told morning, noon, and night. But that's a lie. The people responsible are the 1%, the super rich. The super rich are at the heart of this. And talk about hypocrisy. Communist China has, has been massively polluting the air because of all its mega manufacturing in, in China. So they pollute like no other nation on planet Earth. And they get away with it because they have big money to spend and, and they can make people rich. You're listening to the Paul McGuire Report. This is Paul McGuire. We'll be back in just a moment. This is the Paul McGuire Report. I'm Paul McGuire. There is a mass awakening in consciousness. One of my books was called Mass Awakening. and I identified this mass awakening of consciousness to its origins in, in recent years. It's, it's taken off in the last number of decades. When I first started writing books and speaking and doing television shows, network television shows and all the rest of the stuff, when I st first started doing media, I was one of the very few, there were some others, but not many, uh, I was one of the very few who, who recognized through his research that the, the super-rich, the globalist elite, or the Luciferian elite, which is a term that I coined, by the way, that they have all the money and the power and the military and, and the scientific methodologies of ruling. And these are the secret elite that rule the world. You talk to the overwhelming majority of people you know, and they have absolutely no clue in that they're clueless completely about this fact. It is a fact. It's published in liberal publications. It's published in non-political publications. It's, it's, it's produced on video, on television now. It's, it's in uh, very high-level uh, magazines and prestigious think tanks. I mean, for crying out loud, within the last year alone, there was a, a large article in that the, the artwork made something that was potentially complicated, very simple for you to understand. And so it's a full-page, terrific artwork, and it shows and it reveals the truth of the world. So at the very top of this flowchart is 
are, are companies like BlackRock and uh, uh, another company. And, and you can see for yourself how artistically and, and very well done graphically how one of these globalist mega corporations, Vanguard is another one, how they all link with one another, how, how it's top down. And not only do they link with one another, it is, it is routine and common practice for the very heavy duty super owners of everything on the top, it is most often the case that they will own underneath them on the flowchart like two competing companies with two competing products or two competing political parties. They'll finance both sides. They'll they'll, uh, finance both sides, and they have financed both sides of wars. You know, people don't want, you can't be free um, if you don't know the truth. So you have to know the truth. When you know the truth, it's then that you're given the knowledge that can set you free. So let me, let me put it to you like this. Um, this temporary world system that we live in is a temporary spiritual world system uh, known as known in the Bible as the world system. The world system is, is a reference to the Luciferian world system, not the original world system which God created when he functioned as the creator and he created all of heaven, all the earth, all the animals, all the human beings. When God created absolutely everything, nature, the stars, the sun, absolutely everything. When God created absolutely everything, and then he made Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, and he gave them eternal life. They had perfect bodies, eternal life. They were happy. They had no diseases. They weren't sick. They, they, they radiated with divine health. And Adam and Eve literally lived in the Garden of Eden. The, be- the beauty of the Garden of Eden is indescribable. But Adam and Eve, Eve first, was seduced, not sexually, but intellectually and spiritually by the serpent of old. The serpent of old was a, a slithering serpent-like being that was inhabited by Satan. Notice that throughout the Bible, uh, Old Testament throughout to the New Testament, notice that whenever there is reference in the Bible to demons or or, uh, fallen angels, whenever the Bible makes reference uh, to demons, what goes hand in hand with the reference concerning demons is the fact that uh, the demons are not allowed to inhabit or live on the earth or possess an individual. The demons are not allowed to do that or interfere with man's business. The, the demons are not allowed to do that. The only way that demons can, can exercise authority on earth or occupy on earth or, or control things on earth, the only way that demons can do that is if they um, agree to uh, 
follow Satan's will and Satan's plan. And Satan's plan consists of a coup or a spiritual revolution in which Satan is going to hopes to hopes to overthrow the throne room of God, and Satan wants to be God. Uh, but God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to interrupt Satan's plans. And God and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return from heaven as he promised his disciples. And he's going to descend to the earth along with the armies of heaven. And Jesus Christ, who is King of kings and Lord of lords, along with all the armies, the angelic armies of heaven, are going to gather together at uh, the Valley of Megiddo or the Valley of Armageddon. And at the Valley of Armageddon, the Lord Jesus Christ, along with the armies of heaven, the, all the men and women who followed Jesus, all Christians who were alive at that particular time, they're all going to invade uh, Armageddon, where they will militarily uh, wage war with the armies of the Antichrist and the Antichrist, the armies of the false prophet and the, fo- and the false prophet, and uh, all the demonic armies, the fallen angel armies, uh, the, the various rankings of demons and principalities and powers and the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. There's going to be a massive confrontation that far exceeds World War III. World War III will probably function as a warm-up act. And this, this ultimate human extinction-level event is going to erupt not only throughout the world, but in uh, Armageddon, and that is the, the war that it is the final war prophesied by uh, the apostles, Jesus Christ, people in the New Testament, and people in the Old Testament, both Jews and, in some cases, even Muslims believe in this final conflict, this, this final battle known as Armageddon. And that is, it's, it's a war between God and his armies, Satan and his armies. It's a supernatural battle for eternity. It's a supernatural battle for the future. And we are in the time period immediately preceding this uh, Armageddon-level uh, war. We're, we are in the time period that precedes that, and the technology and the predictions and prophecies made by Jesus Christ concerning the signs of the times and uh, the freak weather and the uh, earthquakes and tsunamis and droughts and heat waves and all the weird stuff that Christ prophesied what was going to happen before. Uh, Christ returned at the second coming. In addition, there will be an explosion of spiritual deception, uh, the the counterfeit teachings of of demons and uh, Nephilim and Rephium, and uh, a major spiritual and physical war happening all over planet Earth. So 
our job is to communicate the truth regarding where we are on the prophetic timeline, and our job is to communicate the truth on what are we supposed to do in this time period before the return of Jesus Christ. How do Dr. Francis Schaeffer wrote a famous book that leaders of the body of Christ read, uh, and it powerfully impacted their lives. And it was a big, thick book, leather-bound, and Dr. Schaeffer's book was, How Should We Then Live? And it was simply a question to the body of Christ, since these things are happening all around us, since men and women are now thinking in these ultra-humanist ways, since all of this is happening, what do we do now? How do we move forward? Given what we've been given, how do we move forward? Who has a plan? Not many people did. Dr. Francis Schaeffer had a plan, and he taught it to millions of Christians. We have a biblical plan also, largely influenced by Dr. Francis Schaeffer. We have a biblical plan also. And it is our mandate before God to use our God-given intelligence and strategically um, do not allow the principalities and powers and the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places to triumph even momentarily in the earth realm. He must be Lucifer in the principalities and powers. He must be put under the feet. We must, as the body of Christ, in a law-abiding, peaceful way, must tread upon the serpent or Satan. And we are to occupy until Christ comes. That's our call. And every one of you that is listening to me, Paul McGuire, when I share that call with you, there's a large percentage of you, like, like you feel like a very mild electricity. It's very subtle, but you feel a, 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 sl- a, a slight uh, exhilaration, a sense of a kind of ownership of that call. That, that the, it's the call of the Lord, or a call of the Lord in your life, to obey him and to do what he has called you and I to do in the last days. So we, we have to obey the Lord. And when we obey the Lord, what the pilgrims and Puritans showed us during the first great awakening, when you obey the Lord and repent of your sins and you move forward in the Lord, what happens is God begins to supernaturally bless you and your family and your children and your, your work and your job and your commerce and all of a sudden the Bible says you will be blessed when you go out, and you will be blessed when you come in. And that that if somebody attacks you, you will triumph according to this blessing of the Lord. So if you will simply obey the Lord, as the pilgrims and Puritans did, this is the American way, by the way. The thing about the American way is that our ancestors tried the American way, and guess what? It worked. The American way works. It still works. The reason America is having so many nightmarish problems is very simple. It's ultra simple. America is having big problems 
because America has stopped believing and obeying the Word of God. America's problems are caused by disobedience to the Word of God. We collectively need to repent of our sins and ask Jesus Christ to forgive us and ask Jesus to cover us with his blood and allow the Lord to boldly move in our lives so that we worship only the true God and that we obey whatever God tells us to do. So we obey God and we worship God. This is the Paul McGuire Report. Visit paulmcguire.us. Take advantage of the the, the powerful spiritual books and analytical books. By that I mean what we do is we take things that could potentially be complex and we just simply and in an energized way open it up to you and give you knowledge so you can have power and you can get a, a discount on books like Power From On High. I promise you it will change your life. Power From On High. The Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, Conquering the Matrix, The Day the Dollar Died, um, so many other books at bulk discounts, financial discounts. And a lot of times, as I'm moving through the show, I'm firing out to you uh, thoughts, ideas, or statements about history, or depictions of what happened in the past, or or depictions of what what's going to happen in the future, and you may be saying, "Well, how does he know that?" And I don't always slow down to tell you how I know that, but almost overwhelmingly, what you hear when you hear me on the Paul McGuire report, etc., is that when I'm firing out statements or depictions of what happened, what's going to happen, economic statistics, et cetera, et cetera. When I'm firing that out, um, I'm basing it on accurate documentation, first-hand evidence. I cite names. I will often cite names and dates of articles and the name of the journalist or the author or the think tank that uh, uh, arrived at this uh, information. So, for example, this is how I basically work in research in, in biblical areas, but also uh, historical economic areas. So, I had heard for quite some time, I had wrote it down myself in numerous uh, different books that I've written, that the goal of the globalist elite is a one-world government, one-world religion, one-world economic system. That can be documented going back before ancient Babylon. It, it was documented at ancient Babylon at the time of the Tower of Babel. And their goal, the goal of ancient Babylon was a one-world government, one-world economic system, and one-world religion. Now, that's the first major fireworks-in-your-face, all-out demonstration that God means business. And then there are constantly other references, Barrow, and the Pharaoh God King system, and then there's depictions of the mighty Roman Empire and the Greek Empire and the Babylonian Empire, and all of this 
is not des- God doesn't want us to be bewildered or, or or stumbling around in a fog when we hear or read about these Bible prophecies coming true. What God wants us to do is to know what the Word of God says and know why God put it in there. Why does God want us to know these things in advance? And this is just basic fundamental Bible teaching, which, by the way, is is almost entirely absent from a huge statistical percentage of the so-called Bible-believing church. They, They don't believe in the Bible. And then they really transgress the Word of God by refusing, disobeying to to, uh, uh, teach the book of Revelation from beginning to end faithfully. They don't do it. But if they did do it, if they did teach the book of Revelation faithfully, they would have the answers to the overwhelming majority of the questions they have. And God's people would not be. What's happening in America and the world today, and it's growing, by the way, and if you don't recognize that it's growing rapidly, then you've been, to put it bluntly, you've been bewitched. You've been bewitched. You've been hypnotized. Zapped. The purpose of bewitching you, and and don't say, what is Paul McGuire talking about? He's just going on and on about bewitching. No, I'm not. I'm coming to you from the Word of God. It's the Apostle Paul himself who, when he's writing to the uh, Galatians, uh, the Apostle Paul warns the Galatians, literally, he says, do not be bewitched. What is the Apostle Paul talking about? He's saying, don't be fooled spiritually. Don't be bewitched, like if somebody put a spell on you. Don't be bewitched, O foolish Galatians. Don't allow yourself to be, like, put under a spell through occult power. Have your spiritual armor on. Now, The reason God is teaching you and I this over and over again in the Bible about warning after a warning about not being spiritually bewitched, not being spiritually hypnotized, the dangers of occult power, the dangers of spiritual deception, false Christs, antichrists, the reason God is warning us repetitively over and over again about the the spiritual warfare component of spiritual deception, which is rampant in the church today and rampant in our world today. God put those warnings in his prophetic word because God knew the end from the beginning, and God knew that we were soon entering a period of incredible lawlessness, incredible deception, incredible apostasy, and incredible spiritual deception of every kind with the the activity of of um, nephilim refium fallen angels and multidimensional warfare god wanted to give give us a heads up god wanted to give us a, a an advanced warning and and god wanted us to learn how to and to prepare for uh, multi-dimensional spiritual battle. 
which we're in as the body of Christ. Now, anybody who knows anything about warfare understands that one of the key components of what is called psychological warfare, going back thousands of years, one of the key components of psychological warfare is um, to, to psychologically, or in the area of the mind and the motions and the brain, totally confuse, burn out, and enslave your enemy mentally by convincing your enemy that there's nothing they can do uh, to resist. And the only thing that they can do is to surrender. And, and the, 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 the situation is totally hopeless. That's the purpose of psychological warfare. I, uh, one of the, the world's leading experts on psychological warfare, he was like the head of psychological warfare for the NSA. Um, and he, he was famous and highly controversial, and I certainly don't agree with, I didn't agree with many things that he proposed. But uh, his thesis was right on, and Christians need to understand the thinking of psychological warfare. The goal of psychological warfare is to so totally convince your enemy that there's nothing they can do but sur to surrender, and, and that's the purpose of psyops. So Satan knows a lot about psyops. God's people should know more about psyops than the devil's crowd. How psyops works in conjunction with principalities and powers and demons, psyops works like this. It's using ways to get Christians to sin. It's using ways to infiltrate the minds and brains and emotions of Christians. And then the game plan is to bombard uh, the inner minds, the subconscious, uh, the, the belief system to, to infiltrate or conquer Christians from within their brain, within their mind, within their soul, to infiltrate them from within and wage spiritual warfare from within. Look at every spiritual battle that is raging in America and around the world right now. Every spiritual battle that's raging in America specifically, the reason the spiritual battle or psyops is raging in America right now, and it's basically at the tipping point, is because the body of Christ and so-called believing Christians on a statistically very large percentage have retreated from the battlefield. Have have given in to a spirit of fear. Um, have not allowed perfect love to rule and reign in their hearts. Do not believe, act, and function as if it was true, because it certainly is true that whatever we ask God for in Jesus' name, He will do it for us. Whatever we ask Jesus in Jesus' name, He will do it for us. God has given us and God has given you kingdom, biblical, supernatural authority. You have supernatural authority. Does that mean absolutely everything you pray for and, and ask for in terms of prayer? 
Does that mean every prayer that you make is going to come true? Does that mean every prayer that you make is going to be answered the way you want it to be answered? Does that mean every supernatural thing that you believe God for is going to happen? Is that what it means? No, it doesn't mean that. It means that you have the privilege of using God's word supernaturally, and whatever you ask God for, it will be done for you by your Father who is in heaven. So the kingdom principles work, miracles, and other things. But our job is to ask God for the miracle, or to ask God for healing, or whatever. It's God that will decide whether or not he will answer those prayers. So we ask God, God decides. And sometimes, so for example, I had to visit my father. This was a number of years ago. I knew in my heart you know, that the Lord was going to take him home. I, I had prayed for him for years, and the Lord extended his life. And I continued to pray for him for years. But this time I knew it was different. I, I knew he, he had run. He was, a, he was the fastest runner in, in college track. He was the fastest long-distance runner in the nation, or second fastest. So he was a runner, but I knew that he had run uh, his course for, for God's course for his life. I led him to the Lord. I was thankful to God for that. And so God blessed him and poured out his spirit on him. And I thank God for that. But I also pray, I also prayed to the Lord. I held my father's hand in the hospital. And I prayed out loud that, that my father would tell the Lord what he wanted. You may think that's a strange way of praying. It's, it's biblical. Tell the Lord what you want. So, like, if you want to live you know, a healthy way or something for the next 15 years or 20 years, and tell the Lord that. You don't even have to tell me. And I believe God would answer that prayer, by the way. I said, or if you want the Lord to, want to, the Lord to take you home to heaven, you know, just tell the Lord. He loves you. And uh, so, so God, I knew, was answering our prayers. And I knew God was answering my prayer. But I learned a long time ago is... God gives us these exceedingly precious promises, whatever we ask for in Jesus' name, it will be done for us by our fathers in heaven. Many times we'll pray and ask God for a miracle, and nothing will happen, or the opposite will happen, or things will get worse. And we're tempted to be very discouraged. But that's not how the game goes. We always pray for a miracle. We always ask God to heal and provide and, and to move, always. But the results are up to God. God will either bless with long life, heal, provide for, or God may, may in his infinite wisdom, decide, depending upon the situation, that you know, this is his time to, to return to heaven or, or whatever. You can even ask God. I believe. You know, there are many situations in the Bible where it looked like things were set to happen in one way, but when people began to pray, God moved it so things happened in a different way. Just because God says no to your prayer, or, or answers it in a way different than you thought, or just because it took 
35 years or more for a certain prayer to be answered. This is the important part. None of that means that God did not answer your prayer. No matter how long your prayer may be delayed, no, no matter what you ask God for, and even if it appears he didn't give you what you asked for, and it seems like he gave you the opposite of what he asked for, God still answers prayer. You still go to God believing that he answers prayer, and God will answer prayer. Now, I can't tell you down here on earth why it appears like some prayers don't get answered. But I do know, in the strictest terms, whether it's eternally or temporally here on the earth, whatever you ask God for in prayer, he will answer you. Now, he may answer it in eternity, or he may answer it 30 years from now, or the answer may be the opposite of what you thought he was going to do. But that doesn't mean God didn't answer prayer. So this is the critical thing. So when we're involved in spiritual warfare, our job is to continually pray to God. And our job is not to worry about the answer. Our job is to simply put it in God's hands and believe that God is going to answer your prayer. And to keep asking God. And to keep believing. And if there are seasons where it doesn't look like prayers are being answered, you don't give in to that. You continue to pray. You continue to seek God. And as you continue to pray, and as you continue to seek God, you change your world. You change the worlds of your loved ones, your children, people you know, your job. You have no idea how much transformation and how much change for the better is released into this earth because you didn't stop asking God for answers to your prayers. You did. You never surrendered. You consistently asked God to answer your prayers. You didn't give up, and God responded to your presence in heaven. When you come before his throne asking him to answer prayer, God would respond with rejoicing, and, and uh, God would respond with a delight, an inner delight, uh, that that my servant, whatever man or woman is praying to him, is being faithful in praying. So that's how we win spiritual war, and that's how we take territory in our life. You want to take territory, not lose territory in your life. But you have to throw away this disgusting pattern of beliefs in which you say to yourself falsely, you know, this prayer won't be answered. I don't believe God's going to answer my prayer. I believe I'm under a curse. If you entertain that kind of thinking, you are putting yourself and your loved ones under a curse. Don't do it. Ask the Lord to forgive you with the blood of Jesus Christ and continually pray, continually believe God for the impossible. This is Paul McGuire. You need to go to paulmcguire.us. Join with me in this ministry. Join with us in winning people to Christ, communicating a biblical worldview on radio and podcasting and all kinds of media, continuing to deal with tough issues and continuing to uh, help uh, inspire and motivate God's people to rise 
for the for the historic occasion that they're in. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. That's paulmcguire.us. And tomorrow we'll explain how you can go from just you know kind of kind of uh, developing certain results in your life versus knowing that you can change the world to whatever limited or finite extent God allows. You can change the world. Whatever you think you can do, this is not positive thinking. This is faith in God. And when you put your faith in God, God rewards his children for putting their faith in him. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. (laughs) 